Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel. appreciate that introduction as always. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the voice you heard in introducing our podcast is Rachel Joseph and works in our benefits department. And we're grateful for her adding her skill setting gifts to this podcast and making it a welcoming environment. So thank you, Rachel. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'm excited to have in our studio a special guest. Jason Dunn is the Associate Director for World Outreach for the EPC, and we're going to unpack a little bit more of what he does and how God has brought him to this place. But there are some things about World Outreach that I hope that you'll learn today and, and, and hopefully will become very practical in terms of ways in which you can resource your congregation. Just by putting some things uh, perhaps on a bit of something for you to think about, pray about, and even potentially become involved in, and maybe Jason will give us some ideas on this later on, is that this coming summer, every three or four years, depending on how it works, EPC World Outreach pulls off something called a family gathering. And the family gathering brings in our workers from all around the world, domestic, international, young, old, family, singles, to one place at one time for some great teaching, worship, refreshment, renewal. And uh, that comes up this summer, which I'm very excited about because I'll have my first chance to be a part of that as the stated clerk. But I'd encourage you even now to maybe be praying about that, praying for our global workers. This has been a tough season for them as well as for our pastors and, and other workers domestic. This has been a global pandemic and it's affected them dramatically. And maybe we'll even talk a little bit about that in a few seconds. But be praying for them. Be praying for that family gathering. And perhaps if your congregation is looking for some kind of a special offering or something they want to do that really could make a dramatic difference, perhaps even thinking about how they could raise funds to give scholarships to some of our global workers uh, as a gift to them so that they're able to get there in a way that is meaningful. So we could talk more about that a little bit later. But I, I like to put some things out there on the horizon for you to be thinking about and praying about that are an important part of the EPC. And if you're not familiar with World Outreach, you might not know that the family gathering is coming up this year. And I'd like you to put that on your prayerful radar screen, if you will. Well, let's get to our guest today. Very excited to have Jason in the studio. Jason is, um, in my last year of getting to know this position and working in the office, I think I've been more delighted in getting to know him and working with him. It's hard for me to explain this uh, in a podcast, but I love the way his brain works. Maybe that's scary, I don't know. But he, he thinks critically really well on a lot of things and raises excellent questions and has got super insight. It's just been a real delight to work alongside of him. And, you know, we've just gone through amazing transition from Phil Linton, who's been a really uh, wonderful leader in our global efforts, trusted, experienced, wise. And Jason and Phil had a really and do have a very close relationship, almost a father-son kind of relationship. So the fact that we were able to go through this transition as stable as we did and, and not 
only not lose momentum, but perhaps gain clarity and momentum in that process is largely attributable to Jason being the glue that held the transition together and has both helped Phil to end well, and I think Gabriel Adigia to start well. And uh, you might not see that because a lot of that takes place behind the scenes, but that's where Jason uh, typically excels. So Jason, uh, first of all, welcome to In All Things. It's a delight to have you here with us today. It's great to be here, Dean. Thank you for all those kind words. You're generous, and it's been fun getting to know you, your leadership style, and uh, all the things, all the gifts that you bring to to the EPC and to this office has been really good. You've rolled with the punches well, my friend. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you've done that with a smile. In fact, you've done that well. So all those things are sincere. I don't need anything from you, want anything from you. Those things are just from my heart. I just think I uh, really appreciate that the Lord has brought you to serve the EPC in this way. So and a delight for the, the uh, denomination as a whole to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thank which you. Which is great. So give us a little background. Uh, tell us about your family. Um, you weren't always the Associate Director of World Outreach. You've had an interesting path in getting here. Talk to us about your family, your previous career, uh, what led you here, and, and then maybe if you wouldn't mind, what does the Associate Director of World Outreach do? That's a great question. And I'll get to that in a second, but uh, I'd love to talk about my family. Uh, I'm married to my beautiful bride, Katie Dunn. She's above your pay grade, by she the way. She is definitely above my pay yeah, grade. I, 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 saw feel, you, I saw you going to uh, yeah, cut feel, in there. I feel free in saying that because I've also married above my pay grade, so I recognize the same thing when I see it. So Yeah, very, very, very true. We, we were married in 2015, six years ago. That has been a just amazing season for me. I kind of got married uh, later in life. Uh, age was 36, and so... I did a lot of living uh, before then and uh, a lot of exploring what God's call was in my life. And Katie has been this perfect partner, co-laborer for me. And she's added a lot of beauty and a lot of grace and a lot of warmth to my life. And so she's a she's great wife and she's also a great mother. We have a child and her name is Eden, which you know in Hebrew means uh, delight. And so she's our little delight. She's going to be five this next month. And so that's a little quick snapshot of my family. And if those of you uh, had the ability to come to our last General Assembly, which was at Second President Memphis last summer, you'd have had the chance to meet Katie. She was up front. Uh, Jason had this idea that perhaps she would be, uh, she has gifts in those areas. And we were able to use those gifts. And she was happy to do so. And she was delightful. Yes. And it gave people the chance to get to meet her, get to know you in a little fuller sense. And she just really excelled. In that. I totally agree. I, I make the joke that the first time I hosted the Tuesday night banquet for World Outreach by myself, and the next time I'm hosting it with my wife, and next year I probably won't be on the stage anymore. <laughs> she can just take over. She did an excellent job in Work leading. your way out of a job. There you go. That's, right. that's what I, you got to do. I see how that works. So uh, what about your work history, background? You, you have a, a, an interesting route that brought you to this position. Part of that is the call I've gotten, you know, from out of darkness into light. And a lot of that I mean, in my personal testimony and personal journey, I was heavily influenced by John Piper and uh, his view on missions and going to the hard places. And so when I became a Christian in college, I thought, oh, I got to do missions. But I was also in an engineering degree, and I thought, well, what, what does the world need? The new world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, the living water, John chapter 4. But also, because of my degree, I can bring potable drinking water. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll marry those two together and maybe come into a, a country that has more restrictions, possibly. 
or more creative access uh, that you would need to in order to have a visa to live there. And I thought those, those two things can marry really well together. And so in my uh, pursuit of that, I, I got a degree and I worked as an engineer for about 10 years and got a license as a professional engineer. And after my first year of marriage, or during my first year of marriage, Katie and I, we said, well, what, what does the Lord have for us? And we, so we started praying. And, uh, always a dangerous thing to do, right? It's always a dangerous thing. I mean, th- seriously, we've, prayer is sometimes this throwaway thing that people say, well, I'll be praying for you. But if you really start asking the Lord what he wants from you, you better be prepared for the answer. Exactly right. We were ready. There was a, there was a little bit in my center, in my being, that I wanted to transition on. Because I think engineering, consultancy, is a totally God-worthy call to pursue and to enjoy and to love your neighbor through. But also, I didn't mention, but in the time between college and when I got a professional engineering degree, I went to seminary. And so I have also a master's of divinity, and that has really shaped kind of my missiology and my theology. And so I had both of these kind of educational experiences, but also a work experience. And then we getting together, Katie, I, I made very clear to her that we will pray and try to lean into what the Lord's call is on, on my life, on our life together as we're two becoming one. So long before this interesting season that we're currently in, you were the original hybrid. You, you were the engineer MDiv guy. That's right. There can't be a lot of you out there. No, I, I, uh, I felt very ill-equipped for seminary. You know, I, I would go there and there's all these people. I'm like, what did you get your degree in? Oh, philosophy and religion, Greek, you know. And I'm like, oh, I got a degree with, uh, I went through uh, calculus one, two, and three and differential equations. You know, it just didn't quite line up. Those are foreign languages to a lot of us. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was interesting uh, in that time. It actually, it also helped me, uh, you know, Blaise Pascal, right? He so, was a mathematician, an engineer, but so also... So were you studying under uh, Charles McKenzie? Yeah, you know Charles, right? I, yes, I, he heavily influenced... Very well. Well, you mentioned Pascal. I figured you had to be a McKenzie guy. Yeah, very much so. Dr. McKenzie was a great influence in my life at seminary. Okay. Well, he was the president at Grove City College when I was there, and uh, he had a very strong influence on my life as well. So that's maybe another conversation for another day. It is. He'd always say this one line, we got to say it. Jesus loves you. He would grab my arm and say, hey, you know that Jesus loves you, right? And uh, there's, you know, he's a brilliant, brilliant person. And, uh, and he's just saying it so simply, and it's so true. Amen. Well, you can say that as an engineer and do that to the glory of God. You can say that um, as a pastor to the glory of God. But you've, you've put together, and, and I think that's when I say I love the way your, your brain works. You bring kind of the more analytical, the way in which you diagnose something and you find solutions to how something ought to work better and could work better. That's kind of that engineering side of your brain, but you're applying that to kingdom stuff that has eternal ramifications to it, which is one of the things I I love about you and the way you bring that to bear. So talk about how that unique gift set, the way God has made you, the things he has poured into your life to make you who you are, have been able to be used by the Lord in the context of becoming the Associate Director of World Outreach. Well, to close the chapter on the year of prayer, towards the end of that year, a friend of mine, you, when you go to seminary, you become friends with a bunch of pastors. And uh, Soon Pak uh, was my friend, and he recommended that I apply for this job. He knew Phil Linton very well, and he knew me very well, and he thought there would be a great marry between the two of us. And so as I applied for the job, I was like, wow, this, this feels outside of my realm because all of my experience is mostly 
it's in the secular world, if you will, and uh, not in ministry or in, in, in this particular area, but uh, there was a huge heart that I had for missions. And I think that married pretty well with Phil. So my brain, I think you're right, is I'm a little bit of a builder. Uh, I like to analyze. I like to create systems. There was a lot of room for that here in World Outreach. I think as the associate director, that's what I've been doing, is uh, taking a look at how we're running and trying to make it more efficient, yes, but also more gospel-centered and more in line with a, a common narrative and uh, doing that with the ways that God has given me gifts in, in the way I think and in the way I can build uh, systems or procedures or ways to interact and relate with our people, whether it's leadership and development or if it's assessing someone who wants to have interest in going long-term seas, all those kind of things I bring to bear with the analytical mind of how do we bring this system into place that's going to benefit the kingdom of God, but also the people who participate. And if I could say this lovingly, those were not Phil's gifts. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things I love about Phil so much is that he, was, he knew who he was uh, as, a, as a world outreach director, knows who he is, but he, he, he knew who he was as a world outreach director and the strengths that he would bring but he was not threatened by the differences that, that you brought. In fact, he welcomed those because of what a complementarity they were. You two had a great chemistry. Just as a sidebar, I mean, it's another conversation for another day on leadership and hiring. You know, there's those four famous C's in, in hiring. And people talk a lot about culture and culture eats everything else for lunch. And that's, that's true. Uh, people talk about competency. Well, you want to hire a person who's capable of doing the job. That makes sense character. Well, you don't want to, you want someone who's got the character of Christ, you know, exemplifying the fruits of the Spirit. But it it seems to me with most of those things being somewhat like you can find that on the resume and those things ought to be there or you ought to not even be interviewing the person. One of the things you get to very, very quickly at that stage is chemistry. And uh, you and Phil had great chemistry. And a lot of that had to do with the complementarities and your differences and the way in which you're wired differently and how that created greater strengths. But you got to be secure enough to, to not look for someone who's just like you, but look someone who's going to challenge you and bring something different to the table. And, and I also think, you know, you're off to a great start with Gabriel. The two of you also have a complementarity and a chemistry, and that's building and growing. And over time is only going to continue to do that because you're both humble servants of the Lord and love the Great Commission and are about the business of the church. So I'm excited for that as well. But today, uh, operationally, you're the Associate Director of World Outreach. How do those gifts that you have actually play out in your job? What, what, are, what are some of the things practically that you do in terms of taking that organizational mind of yours and, and put systems and structures in place? What are, give me a, an example of that, if you will. Well, one example that has been already put into place is how we assess people. And so someone in a church may have an interest in serving God long-term in ministry, doing mission work. And the question is, how do they get from that inquiry interest to being launched into the field of service that they, they wanted? Or we kind of help them direct well, them towards. If they're just like a good person and they have a heart and they want to do this, you don't just throw them in? Well, we, we can start there. We can start there, but then there's there is a path that one must take, I think, that God brings, brings them along in. And we've tried to develop a system by which we can help encourage that. Whether people go long-term or not, we want all EPC members to have a heart for the nations. And so we try to have interactions with whoever that might be, uh, an EPC member with an inquiry. Whether it turns into a reality of them being launched or not, we, 
try to have a grace-filled uh, system that helps develop their character, helps analyze digital areas that they need to work in, and then helps uh, provide support in those areas. And so sometimes that leads to uh, long-term service, and sometimes that, that doesn't. But regardless, it's going to help that person in their discipleship with the Savior and growing in a greater understanding of the, the global church and the Great Commission and Heart for the Nations. Exactly, okay. exactly. So one of the things, it's a, it's a project that you have done before and you're, getting, you're kind of in the throes of again now as you're getting ready for the family gathering, as I mentioned earlier. Tell people a little bit more about, as you build systems and structures, this isn't just like a retreat time. There's, there's purpose and design behind this as well. What, tell everybody a little bit about the family gathering and if they're inclined to pray for that, they would have more particularity so they could do so. Well, one thing I would encourage if you don't already have it is uh, we have a prayer directory of all of our workers. You can email wo at epcwo.org, which is our general email, okay. and we'd be happy to get you a prayer directory. So that is just a useful tool. You'll have faces and names and uh, ideas about ministry, and you could be praying for our workers. But uh, as you said, this is a the family gathering is something that I inherited. It was a practice that's been going on for a little while, I think a long, long before me, and I don't know how, much, how long before me, but quite a while. And you're right, it is, it is an opportunity for rest and relaxation, but also uh, a chance to sharpen some tools, a chance to collaborate, a chance to connect. We have workers in about 30 countries around the world, and we have quite a big contingent here in the U.S., but we're all kind of separate. And so this is an opportunity to build on our DNA, our ethos, our vision and mission. And so we set up the, the week for big blocks of free time so you can just enjoy the pools, uh, the beach, whatever it may be. But also we try to also have programming where we're learning from the word and then also some programming where we're learning that vision and mission and we're talking and connecting and resharpening some tools. And, and so sometimes the best things happen at the dinner table unplanned. Exactly, you know, exactly. Those conversations are wonderful. Well, let's talk about some of the other things that World Outreach is currently doing right now. You guys have a lot on your plate. I know before you came into this podcast, you were on a conversation with one of our workers from Northern Africa. I know that before Christmas break, uh, I had the chance with you to go out to, to lunch with some partners of ours from Central Asia. You guys are connected to people all around the world. So, so before I ask the question about what World Outreach is doing, let me back that up a little bit. What do you see the Lord doing? in the world? Because my belief is that we should observe what the Lord is doing and go join him in that activity, which is what I think we're doing. But back me up and tell me in your experience and the conversations you're having and the listening you're doing, are there any things that you could say, yeah, it seems like the Lord is doing blank. What, what, what do you see right now globally? Amidst hardship, which you, you uh, named earlier with uh, the pandemic and our workers being displaced and not being able to get back into country, Amidst this hardship, there is seemingly open, fruitful ground. And I think the Lord is using, uh, using those things to open people's hearts, to soften ground, to help the seeds that were planted to start to mature, to bear fruit, perhaps. And so I think, uh, remarkably so, we hear testimony and stories of how the, how the Lord is working in people's hearts. And so that's, I think, a really beautiful thing because... You step back and you look at the, the pandemic and you look at, uh, you just mentioned this, this couple I was talking to in Northern Africa with the Civil War, you would maybe lose all hope. Uh, what, is, what is the Lord doing? And sometimes there's this quote, sometimes the Lord allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And he, what he loves to, 
to do is to bring the nations to himself, to have his name glorified. And so I think we are seeing that in different pockets. Uh, we're still seeing a lot of hardship. Through the hardship, I think the, the Lord is, is working. I had a professor once, Jason, who used to say, the Bible is dripping with irony. And I think so too is church history. As, as the Lord works in his story, we see things that we would have never imagined. Like, how is it that you could find hope in the midst of a civil war? How is it that in a global pandemic and people being shut out of nations and bringing the gospel, that there would actually be good things coming out of that? And I always come back to that statement of Joseph as he looked to his brothers and said, what, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. And he does. He causes all things to work together for good for those who love him yeah. and are called according to his purposes. And so even in the midst of such trial, uh, you're seeing God using those things to his glory. Exactly. That's Amen. encouraging to hear, to be sure. So what, other, what kind of things is World Outreach doing right now? You've got a number of things on your plate. I know the master plan, for example, is a big one. I don't know if most people know what the World Outreach master plan is and how it operates. Could you maybe take us there for a second? Sure, I'd love to. That's a big thing that we're uh, both Gabriel and I have on our plates is to re-envision, to refine, to reshape uh, the master plan. The master plan is a document, and it might sound, what, is, what does a document have to do with anything? But it is actually a document that the General Assembly, the collection of all these EPC churches, they give approval to, and it's the mandate by which we run our, our global arm and our global priorities. And so we're in the process that master plan gets revised every three to five years. We're kind of due for that revision, and it's great to have new leadership with fresh eyes and Gabriel, who's bringing a lot of insight and influence into that. We're also trying to get influence from EPC churches, EPC leaders uh, who are involved in missions, and also our global workers. And so we're in that process. That's the document, but we are in the middle of just a process of revising that. And that's part of what you talked about earlier, like devising a system by how do we get all this input from all these different places and working with Gabriel, thinking through that and trying to do that. And uh, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's actually been quite rewarding. And on the other side of that, you've got your marching orders, right? You've got this clear sense of a compelling sense of what the Lord is asking us to do and the assembly you know, buying into that. And so we're kind of all in and on together. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Well, I love, uh, you described a pretty collaborative approach. I mean, you've got global workers that are contributing to that. You've got EPC churches that are contributing to that. You've got some key missional thinkers that are contributing to that. You and Gabriel are facilitating and coordinating all of that. That's a very collaborative approach, which as you know, is close to my heart in terms of working that way. But let's kind of turn the, the direction of uh, EPC World Outreach back again to the local congregation and talk about collaboration in that regard. How could a local congregation in the EPC be blessed by World Outreach? And what are some of the things that you and Gabriel are thinking about and your management team thinking about that could be a real gift to the local church? First thing I'll say is that any church is welcome to email myself or Gabriel. Our, our emails are on the website, and uh, we welcome any time to connect with churches. And that's really hard on Gabriel's heart, is to uh, connect with our churches. And he likes to talk about having 100% engagement with our churches. And so uh, I just say, reach out to us, because we're excited to, to connect and to talk with you all. In terms of the way that World Outreach can help congregations, I think there's numerous different ways but I'll, I'll elicit a couple of them. Uh, one thing we've been trying to do, as, as you know, too, is I think it's in your heart and conversations with, with Bob Stoffer and others, is 
the evangelical Presbyterian Church is to be about evangelism in some way. And so we've been trying to develop through COVID, actually, through an online format of how do we train churches to interact and love maybe neighbors that are a little bit different than themselves, uh, neighbors that come from a different cultural background. And so we offer workshops that go over principles, that go over techniques, that go over helpful tools that people can join in. And part B of those workshops is building a, a learning community to say, well, how are you working in this? How are you working in that? And uh, have you ever come up against this kind of uh, dilemma or problem and learning from one another? So that's one way I think EPC World Outreach can help engage and offer assistance to churches. And that's not just true if you have, say, refugees in your community, which right. it could be, but it could be just reaching out people who are, who are you know, already in your community and not new and helping you just contextualize how to share the good news with them. We've kind of hit a pause button on it, but this thing called Summer Mission Jam where we bring in high school students to teach them these same skills with immigrants and refugees. But the lowest bar I always kind of convey is we don't necessarily need you to go home and start a refugee ministry. or you know We need you just to reach out to your neighbor across the street. Tell them a little bit about why you love Jesus. That is the low bar. Uh, even though we work on a plane that's kind of more culturally accustomed to different cultures, we're really just trying to embed into people's lives discipleship around evangelism. And, uh, you know, you started off our conversation with God's love for the nations. The interesting thing is, and we've seen this before, but we're seeing it now, is God is bringing the nations to our doorsteps. The idea that you can help people to learn how to share the good news of Jesus with the people God is putting in your own Jerusalem. You may learn those things from the ends of the earth, but those things translate very quickly back to your own neighborhood. Uh, And you may find that your neighbors near and far who maybe are similar to you or very different from you, at the same time, God is bringing all those kind of people, the nations, literally, to your doorstep to hear that good news. Exactly. As you think about resourcing a local congregation, for example, you use evangelism as a good one, which I appreciate, because uh, that is something we've just got to double down on, right? I mean, we've got to go back and help all of our congregations and members and leaders think about how it is that they're articulating and sharing their faith with people around them. What people may not realize is that one of the primary ways in which world outreach shares the good news is actually through church planning. I I think people think of church planning sometimes as a domestic thing. They don't think of it as an international thing. And where do you see some potential synergy between the way God has been growing his church and, say, the the global south, and we see this explosion of of whether the disciple-disciple movement or whether it's a house church movement or whatever you want to look at, that could come back to us and we could learn from and, and grow in in terms of uh, our own church planning efforts. Some people have said that we're in a fourth mission era and every, everyone to everywhere. There's, for a long time, that what's the, what's the phrase? The West to the rest, you know, uh, pejoratively. And I think there's ways that we can start learning from uh, the global church. Part of that is what you just described, the house church movement. Our postmodern, post-church uh, evangelical age, it takes a little bit of different approach to get people into communities of faith, into the scriptures, and uh, it's not just for you know Central Asia, but also I think for middle of Detroit, there can be learning both ways in that. And you talk about the global South, you know, we were we have partnerships with the Presbyterian Church in Mexico and Brazil, and we're. And we're working with some of those in our church planning efforts overseas. And so I can see there even be more 
synergy around those in the future, not just overseas, but how do we do that here? Yeah, we, we're seeing the beginning of that, right? We have a Brazilian church plant now in Philadelphia. We actually have Spanish-speaking, Mexican, principally-based church plants in, I think, Charlotte. And I think there's actually one even in, like, uh, I think it's Wichita or Kansas City. That's happening increasingly. And I think the fact that God is bringing the nations to our doorstep and we can learn from what World Outreach already knows by, by helping that information come from the, the global south into our context is only going to help us better in sharing the gospel with our neighbors. There's lots of pockets of heavily dense immigrants and refugees in the U.S. And I think kind of the growth edge for World Outreach and also Presbyterians and church planning is trying to figure out how do we, how do we tackle that? If there's a big pocket of Afghans, let's say in the Bay Area or Sacramento, how do we, as a Presbyterian, the Pacific Southwest, and World Outreach come alongside and think through that? Is it going to be the same type of church that's planted down the road that's EPC, or is it going to look a little bit different? What is church planting going to look like that? Or what is church planting going to look like in the Detroit Hamtramck area? So, you know, these are all geographic locations within our Presbyteries, but how do we collaborate uh, with World Outreach and the Presbyterian in order to accomplish that? I think that is a real fun question to think about, and I'm excited about exploring answers in, the, in that direction. Yeah, you're singing out of my hymn book. I love, I love the sound of all of that. Well, Jason, in closing, any closing thoughts, uh, encouragements to those who are listening in, or dreams perhaps that you have for the EPC as we consider the Lord calling us to join him in being a truly a global movement? Annie Dillard has this quote, how you spend your days is how you spend your life. It's profound in some ways, very simple, but very true. I think my dream and my hope is for EPC and the EPC members is to spend their days thinking about the nations in some way, praying for the nations, engaging, promoting, supporting missions in that way, because uh, my hope is, and uh, God's hope is that all the nations come to him. And so I, I would love to, to participate in that way and help promote and encourage that through World Outreach and the EPC. It was uh, promised in what, Genesis 12? It was uh, partially realized in the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, and we see its consummation uh, when we get to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9 and following where that has been God's heart from the very beginning. And as you grow closer to the Savior and you begin to think as he thinks and feel as he feels and have his uh, thoughts and affections, how can you not have a heart for the nations? Because he obviously, from the very beginning, has and does and calls us to follow him in that regard. I add to that this other phrase that we often say, it's a scripture from Paul. Paul says, I plant, Paul's waters, but God causes the growth. And we like to say in World Outreach, we are in the business of planting seeds and watering seeds, but we need to do it together. This is not a solo global arm of the EPC doing it, but it's all of us pulling our resources and bending the knee and being dependent on the Lord doing this together. We're, we're wholly dependent upon the Lord, but also on cooperation of his church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Really appreciate the time together today. And I'm sure down the road, we'll probably do a follow-up with this, particularly as there are things that come up that would be interesting to get out to our denomination so that they can get and join in with the Great Commission. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So my friends, as we close together, it makes sense as we're thinking particularly about the global church. We talk sometimes in the EPC, and it's the opening of our vision statement, that we are a global movement. Unpacking what that means uh, means that we're not in isolation. We're, we're not purely a domestic organization. We are part of something much bigger 
uh, of what God is doing, and he is on the move, that we get to be a part of what God is doing, not only in our neighborhood, but around the world, strengthens us as his disciples. And so with that kind of big picture in mind, let's remember our closing verse as we do in each and every podcast. From Colossians 1, beginning in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. That includes engineers too, by the way, just in case you didn't know. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For he is the head of the body of the church, to the glory and praise of Jesus alone. Thank you again, my friends, for joining us. Share this podcast with others and let them know the good news and ways in which they can become familiar, not only with the EPC, but with our work globally. Hopefully this excites you and and opens up your imagination to how you can be a better follower of Jesus where you are in all around the world. So until the next time, we wish you God's grace and peace. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.